It's Song Talk Radio with Michael, Neil, Phil, and the gang. Welcome to Song Talk Radio. This is the show with songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of songwriting. We share tips, tools, and techniques, and together we all become just a little bit better at writing songs. I'm your host, Neil Modi, and with me are only one of the action member, action ready members of the Song Talk Radio team. We have Mr. Phil Emery. How are you today, Phil? I am doing quite well. Uh, my new home is going up to 15 degrees tomorrow, so I am very, very excited. Beautiful. We got uh, 20 degrees here in Toronto, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, please send your questions and we comments to at Song Talk Radio or your weather reports on uh, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, or Instagram, or feedback at songtalk.ca, and we'll share your thoughts on the show. And please visit us at songtalk.ca to find out how you can be a guest. And um, before we get to tonight's guest, uh, once again, if you've been listening to the podcast uh, lately, you know that our Song Talk Radio songwriting challenge has uh, dropped. And uh, Phil, why don't you tell the folks about the challenge? Yes, the challenge this year is writing to a title. And that title is Why Do You Cry? Uh, not Why Do You Fry or Why Do You Try? It is Why Do You Cry? And um, any, uh, I've been watching a lot of Bake Off lately, and I felt like I'm... St- starting to do a big off thing. It can be any flavor you want. It can be any style you want. It can be any length you want. Um, but it needs to um, have Why Do You Cry? I guess actually is the title of the song, ideally. And um, when you send in your songs, and we've had a few, quite a few people send in their songs, uh, give us a little paragraph about exactly how you've uh, come to this point. What, uh, what steps you took uh, in writing the songs, what uh, challenges... Um, that you uh, had and what insights because uh, the best things about doing these kinds of doing these kinds of challenges is that it actually pushes you as a songwriter and those insights um, even though you might not wind up with a song that you absolutely love uh, can actually benefit you as you go along in your songwriting career. Oh, yeah like any kind of realizations or insights or, or learnings or, or, or anything was it's um yeah it's an interesting process especially because yeah like you say because you're being pushed in a way that you wouldn't have done otherwise because you're being uh, assigned something and um and we we as the hosts um uh phil mike and myself have started um to share our answers to the challenge i uh i, I did my answer to the challenge on last week's episode which is um, now uh, published um and uh, next week, uh, Mike's going to do his, and two weeks after that, Phil's going to do his. Yes. And um, and in in a few a couple of weeks after that, we'll do an episode or two featuring your songs, featuring the listener songs, and that's why we want you to send in a little paragraph about your songwriting process, because obviously we can't have everybody on the show <laughs> to talk about their songs, <laughs> but if we have a little snippet from you, we can express what you were uh, feeling going through, um, and uh, and everyone can can share, and everyone needs everyone else's pro and and learn from everybody else and that's kind of the point indeed it was uh interesting with the uh, show uh that you did neil uh last Mm. week and we were talking about you know how to you know because why do you cry it kind of seems like it could be kind of a sad thing and i was actually working on last week's show and um making making me not sound as horrible as i normally do uh (laughs) through the miracle of technology um And I came up with a bit of an epiphany, and I actually completely changed the approach to my song. Oh, really? You want to share your epiphany? Um, 
Well, because I was going to be doing it as sort of a relationship thing and, you know, about between two people. And I'm not sure what it was. And it's there's something about doing something very repetitive. And, um, mm. you know, our new house now has a, a dishwasher, so I don't wash dishes anymore. And I used to get a lot of ideas like washing dishes when you're doing something kind of repetitive. Your mind can... Yeah, that's can true. That's pretty true, yeah. So the stuff, you know, you're doing with a podcast, you're kind of taking out ums and clicks and hums and stuff. And... Um, I just sort of thought, well, instead of um, it being sort of part of a conversation, it could be something more declarative mm -hmm. um, as, well, why do you cry? What makes you cry? What mm -hmm. makes you react? And mm -hmm. then uh, using that as sort of a, and it's, it's something I've, that I've heard other songwriters do that I really like this approach and I don't want to spoil it too much because I might change it again, but um, <laughs> It's something I've never done before, and it's actually kind of effective and actually has resulted in finished lyrics that are much faster oh. than they are normal because it's it's a bit kind of a a formula, but it uh, kind of works. It's, it's, it's something I've never done before, so it's kind okay. of cool because yeah, it's looking, actually looking. Uh, this... Because I am writing the lyrics first, it's a very different approach for me. I'm usually a lyrics, a, lyrics, a, um, yeah. a music first guy, so the lyrics mm -hmm. first will be very different. So it's yeah, kind of cool. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like for this challenge especially, it's pushing you in a, in a direction you're you're not used to. <laughs> it really has. So I'm kind yeah, of yeah. I'm kind of excited about it. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Great. So there you go. We're looking forward to hearing all about that in a in a few weeks. Okay, um, tonight we are welcoming uh, singer-songwriter Susan Catanio from Boston. And uh, here's a small taste of her song, Blackbirds. Blackbirds fill my head sometimes My mouth gives them wings to fly Old stories feel like nursery rhymes You tell each one by heart and I tell mine I tell mine With her powerful voice, Captivating melodies and fine-crafted lyrics, Susan Catanio is one of Boston's most respected singer-songwriters. A compelling performer and vivid storyteller, Susan's music blends folk, rock, and blues with a hint of country. Following up on the success of her chart-topping double album, The Hammer and the Heart, Susan released All Is Quiet in April of 2022. Critics, audiences, and fellow artists have instantly connected with the personal nature of Susan's songs. She is a three-time Kerrville New Folk finalist and a three-time nominee for Best Americana Artist at the Boston Music Awards, and she won the 2018 CT Folk Festival. Her last album, The Hammer and the Heart, charted number one on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart and yielded a number one song on folk radio and a top 10 album of 2017. Welcome to Song Talk Radio, Susan. Hi, you guys. How are you? <laughs> We're doing great. Thank you Thanks. so much for joining us um, on, on the show today. Thank you for having me. And I loved, I love what Phil was saying about like 
rewriting songs because I'm all about that. Okay. <laughs> well, f- following up on what Phil was saying, how, how, how do you start songs? Are you a, are you a lyrics first person or a music first person or in between somewhere? Um, well, I definitely think that I go for the words first because for me, I kind of have to know the direction of the song. And so I usually start with the hook or the title of the song and I mm-hmm. will write from there. So I usually write the chorus first. And once I have the hook, then I start vocalizing it because I'm a singer second, mm-hmm. probably. And so, um, you know, I'll usually create the chorus first and then write the verses around it. I've done both where I've done like I've done music first and then done the words and I've done word first and done the music. And I find that probably the most authentic songs for me are when the words and the music are kind of occurring at the same time. So you know, mm-hmm. like switching instruments. I play piano and guitar and kind of going back and forth between those. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's kind of the way that, that I work. And I think, I think a lot of people work that, that the, the hook or the melody of the title or the chorus comes around right. the same time. And then you write your verses or a little bit back and forth, but at least, at least at the very genesis of a song uh, for you, I think it's, it sounds like it's, it's words. It's words. Yeah. 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 Do you, um, purposely go out to write a chorus you think like are you starting off thinking okay i'm working on the chorus as sort of a um uh, yeah decision it's it's kind of the anchor of the song for me (laughs) and and certainly like i'm i'm definitely like willing and uh totally accept the idea of things being fluid and things being changing. So I'm never really hard focused on what it is, but I usually, I'm usually like, okay, this is going to be like the theme of the song. And so I, I, I'll try and create a melody around that. And I'm like, okay, what's a pretty high melody. So my verse melody is going to be lower than that. And so, yeah, I usually do create the chorus first. I have friends that write kind of first line in, and they don't even know what the title of the song is. They'll just start with like a line and it'll be like the first line of verse one. And then they'll eventually uncover whatever the song was about. And I have tried to write that way. And it makes me insane because <laughs> I'll end up with like five different potential ideas for the chorus and I can't seem to settle on one. So mm-hmm. I think for me, I like to kind of start at the at what I feel is like the apex of the song and then kind of work backwards or forwards from there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really interesting approach, because when you start with the chorus, you're starting arguably anyway with the high energy part of the song. Right. So it, in some ways, it's kind of easier to strip away stuff and get to a verse as opposed to writing a really compelling verse and obsessing over it. And then and then when you hit time for the chorus, it's like, well, how, my chorus isn't really jumping out as much as it should or it's not doesn't have that lift that it should because maybe you spent so long obsessing over verses. Right. I've done that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and sometimes also like you'll come up with like a really cool melodic thing that's in your verse and it's like, oh shoot, but that's like the coolest melodic part. And it really probably should be in the chorus. So that's also something where Mm. sometimes I found like the the yummy section and I'm like, oh shoot, it's in the verse. And I really want to put it in the chorus because that'll be the place (laughs) that everybody remembers. So Yeah. Although sometimes, sometimes I find that like with my songwriting challenge, we were just talking about, I think I, I had the idea and I had the title, obviously, because the title was assigned, but I did write the verses first because I, I kind of needed the verses to sort of 
tell me more specifically what the central idea of the chorus was going to mm. be because yeah, I hadn't totally. fully settled on on what what the specifics of that was. So I think it, yeah, yeah. I think I think you, you got to let the the narrative and the story and and the song itself kind of tell you what it what it needs next and, and yes. go that way. You know, I agree. Do you go through a lot of editing while you're working with your songs? I mean, um... well, so funny because yes, I am a huge editor and I'm an editor, not only like, I also write songs a lot when I'm walking the dog. I know you talked about Mm -hmm. like doing dishes. And for Mm -hmm. me, some of the best stuff I've come up with has been like, as I'm driving to the supermarket in the car or as I'm walking the dog. And so I'm constantly like working and refining, but it's interesting for me, like songs kind of come out and it's almost like I have a puzzle in front of me. Like I have Mm -hmm. all the pieces and I just keep trying them in different places. I'm like, oh, is this is this where it goes? It's like, no, no, no I don't like that. Oh, that was this where it goes, and then eventually it settles into like, ah, I got it. I figured it out. So yeah. <laughs> Do you write? Okay, like like I'm I'm kind of eager to get into Blackbirds a little bit because I want to talk to you about metaphor writing like right is, is that a thing that's typical for like because this is something I really struggle with in terms of. I've got an idea for something, but then I really struggle to find what's the metaphor for that. What's the equivalent sort of abstract idea? Because I don't want to say it plainly. Yeah. Is is that something that kind of comes natural to you or? Yeah, because I think I'm a very, um, I'm a very visual uh, writer. I tend to like mm-hmm. songs that have a lot of imagery in them, things that mm-hmm. you can, when you're listening to them, you can see stuff. Um, but I also occasionally am a private person. And there are things that like, if I actually wrote what really happened, you know, I don't know that I'd want to really share that. But there yeah. are, so metaphor is kind of a way to cheat that system a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. thing that's so funny about Blackbirds is that so the song idea, the, the thing that I came up with was I've been married for almost 30 years mm. and I come from divorced parents and my husband comes from parents that are still together. And that means that when we have conflict, it's a very different outcome, I guess, for me the the idea of divorce is a possibility it's always a possibility and for him it's like no of course not we're just having an argument and mm-hmm. so i wanted to the concept was i wanted to write a song about how when two people come together in a relationship with different pasts that they can have a different interpretation of what a happy ever after means. Mm. And so that was the concept. And I was like, well, do I really, do I want to write about my husband and us being together for 30 years? Like, I don't know. I just didn't want to do that. So let's drop his name in there, shall we? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I was like, no, I want to kind of cloak it in, in metaphor. And so Mm. I thought how interesting that I'm talking about like, our, our childhood, like who, how we were raised. And so for me, the idea of writing through, um, through fairy tale was really interesting. So I started like, then I go research, then I like research fairy tales. Mm. And I found the, the, you know, four and 20 blackbirds baked in a pie, you know, that, 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 Mm. and and I thought, oh, I'm going to write about that. So then I found out that blackbirds were like an omen for change and they're an, also an omen for death. And I thought that was also really interesting. And so I was committed. So then I wrote this song, this one that you are going to hear, but it was a totally different thing. I like went all literary on it. So it was like, oh, I, I like had I literally had like 
24 blackbirds in this song. I named them all. It was like one for sadness and one for grief and one for shame. And I know them all by name. And one, it was so clever. Like it was so clever and there was no heart in the song. Mm. Kind of hated it. And so I put it together. I had music, I had this whole thing. It was a very complicated musical structure, complicated lyric. And I thought, well, I just really don't like the song. And, um, I sat on it for about three weeks and I was like, you know, I really love this idea though. I really like this concept. And so what I did, which I think people say not to do, but I literally threw the baby and the bathwater out completely. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to start fresh. I want the song to be much more simple. And I'm going to only reference the folk tale, the, the folk stuff like I'm going to incorporate other ones. So there's like a line about the dish running away with the spoon. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's like a, that's those two people feel good together because they're running off together. Whereas me, I'm a little insecure. And so I then like the song kind of came together really, really quickly after that. It was so oh. funny after mm. struggling, writing and writing and writing and writing, I almost had to write my way through it to actually get a song that I felt said what I wanted it to say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's kind of like a lesson in, I guess, you know, um, uh, there were things, especially that whole part where I named all the blackbirds. I loved that part. I was in love with that part. It was very literary. It was very thoughtful. It was very sm- clever. And I kept rewriting and rewriting and being like, yeah, but that part has to stay. I don't care what I'm doing. That part has to stay. And it was finally when I was like, okay, I'm going to throw out that part that I thought was the most important part in the song that I actually ended up writing the song. So for me, like the lesson is sometimes when you're writing, you're holding on so desperately to this thing that you're like, this has to be in the song. Mm -hmm. And when you actually think about it and be like, no, I'm just going to let it go. For some reason that really opens up the creative portal and, and let stuff come out that was, and I also changed like the tempo and the feel as well. When I wrote the the new version of it, Right. it just became, I was like, okay, it's a whole new board, same concept, same metaphor, same idea, but we're seeing it through a different lens. I, I love the verb or I love the noun revision. Because I like to revision, to re-see something right. <laughs> in a yeah. different way. And yeah. so for me, like writing the song was really, it was kind of an exercise in getting out of my own way. Wow. Uh, like, I love this song. I want to talk about musically because it's not, it, like sometimes there's a lot of stuff, a lot of folk music, which is G, C, A minor, D, and nothing wrong with that. But um Musically, this is a really interesting song. Can you talk about the chord choices that you've used? Um, well, so um, I ended up oh, trying to think of like what keys I wrote it. Well, it's on a capo, but I wrote it actually initially in the key of D. And um, so it goes to like a D and then it goes to like a minor. I love this kind of exchange between major and minor. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot in my songs, actually. And um, so so the verses are in D and then the chorus is actually in G. It resolves to, to G and then it goes back to D again. And so it actually has simple chords. But what I did is when I'm trying to kind of create, it sounds very um, Californian of me, but I, I like the idea of thinking about chords in terms of shadow and light. 
Mm-hmm. So that's how I think about them. So when I'm in a minor key, I feel like I'm kind of in shadow. And when I switch to major keys, I feel like there's a moment of sunlight. So in um, in the chorus, for example, um, I, I use uh, an A major chord, which is not, it shouldn't be in there. It's like the two major of the G. Mm, right, right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so for me, that lifts up the song. There's like a moment where the song lifts up and it's on the words happy ever after. And so you feel mm. like, oh, it's there's a change, right? Mm. And um, so, you know, I, I think that that's, I, I'm constantly in another, in a lot of my songs, I'll be in a major key. And then, you know, you'd normally go to a five major chord and I'll go to a five minor chord. Mm. Um, or, you know, in a, in, a, in a regular diatonic key, you'll have a three minor and I will go to a three major. So I'm constantly kind of experimenting with major minor. And, and I recommend that. I think that that's a really wonderful thing to do. I write in modes a lot as well. I don't know how like yes, I in depth we go into, but. Um, Lots of, because it, it seemed very modal when I heard it. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. It is. And so I, I like mixo a lot. Mix, mixolydian is when like, it's got a flat seven chord in, it's got a five minor in it. So for me, um, uh, like modal modal interchange, which means that you'll be playing in a diatonic key and you borrow chords from other areas. The Beatles do it a lot. Yep. So you'll have like a pre-chorus that will go into a different key for just a moment and then back out again. Um, I love stuff like that. I think it it creates so much more of an interesting texture than than the normal kind of one, four, five cowboy chords, which I also love as well. Yeah. And I think like there's a time and a place for them, right? Because if you think about the one, four, five, two, six minor thing that everybody does, because it's such a familiar scaffolding for a song, it can allow for really complex lyric because we're not thinking too much about what's going on in the the chordal bed. And so for me, I, I also really, you know, I love simple chords because then I can have really complex lyrics. So... So these wow. chords are actually all very sort of um, pretty straightforward. I mean, they they're not, yeah. not even inversions. They're not. They're not complicated. Oh, it's just complicated. it's just a matter of kind of like getting your ear used to it. Yeah. Well, like you say, it's just borrowing from other keys, right. which is which is something I do a lot as well. But it's um, it's it's interesting how you're talking about lining it up with the lyric because it's one thing to just do it for the sake of you know, it's, it's, it's just a fun thing to do musically, but right. how do you actually line it up? Like, like, like you're talking about light and dark and, right. and, light and shadow, right? Like how do you line it up with the light and the lyric and the shadow and the lyric? Exactly. Um, and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and that's what we like to refer to as prosody, right? Where the music and the lyric are kind of, yeah. kind of pushing in the same direction and in, in some kind of har- harmonious way. But um, the other thing I want to comment about your, about your completely demolishing the song and and, and and writing it again, I, I I fully support that. I think it's a great idea. I don't do it very often, but the times I've done it, the times I've done it, I've actually hated the first version. There was nothing good about it, so it was nothing I needed to keep. So I wasn't really holding on to anything. <laughs> but but what it what it does for you, it is it, at least in my experience, is that it's it's sort of like method of elimination. Like now I know not what now I know what not to do, and that gives me greater focus to know what to do. Well, yeah. And I think I definitely, and I think also, you know, when, when you're writing and when you're in the weeds of writing, you know, there really is this sense of, you know, I I feel like, you know, you're, you're in the, the, 
speaking of the weeds, you know, you're in like a, a, a jungle and you've got a pocket knife and you have to get to a gorilla that's in the jungle. And you're like, what I'm trying to get through here. And I think anything that can kind of shake that and mm. give you a new, a, a lease on life, change the air in the room. You know, there's so many things that I love. I love when writers come to me and say that they have writer's block because I am so into finding ways to avoid, jump over, dig under, crawl my way through to a, a song that you want to write. And I think mm -hmm. that sometimes the idea of getting rid of what you've been holding on to so tightly um, can feel really freeing. Like, Absolutely. I think that that's one of like the best, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, and also, you know, sometimes I, I really will, uh, I'll start a song, even the idea, like your idea of, um, you know, why do you cry? Like, so you, know, Phil said you were like, well, that's kind of a sad song. Well, does it have to be a sad song? Nope. You know, for me, it'd be like, well, okay. You know, my first reaction is, oh, it'll be a sad song. And why do you cry? You know, mm. like what that, but what if it's like a happy song? What if, what if it's like, tears of joy? What if mm. it was tears? What if it was like, what if it's an angry song? So it's an up-tempo angry song. Like, why do you yeah. cry every single time we get it in? You just, you know, you turn on the waterworks and I feel bad. Why do you cry? So there's a way to kind of, and that's kind of exciting, you know, yeah, the idea of kind of yeah. thinking of a different path to, to a song idea. I love that. For me, the, the idea of songwriting being a fluid thing, um, you know, it also helps sometimes to just be like silly because, you know, you've got this judgment thing on your shoulder all the time kind of saying, you're bad. You're writing bad things. Why are you writing stuff? You shouldn't be writing. You should be, you know, working at Denny's or whatever. And <laughs> I think that like when you kind of uh, change it up, you you have this sense of feeling really free. You have the sense of like, I can do whatever I want, you know, and then I think you feel more creatively in the flow. Right. Well, let's take a listen and uh, we'll have more to talk after the song. Happy 
with that song that kind of happened with the whole album is that I really on purpose, um, you know, I wrote it in D, but then I capoed it up higher so that it really is in a very much higher range than I normally sing in. I'm an alto. So, you know, I'm an alto when I do like the, oh, like I can really, (laughs) but I really, I don't know, like the whole, all the songs I wrote for All Is Quiet are are, I'm in a much higher register. And I think that that lends itself to a different quality in my voice. And also really kind of, in many ways, it it freed me up to try things, to try and be a little less, you know, as a singer, and I'm sure you guys have this, you know, you want to be perfect. You want to be like the best. And I think being that vulnerable, being that high up, you, you can't necessarily be perfect. You have to be more about feel. It has to be more about like, how can you deliver the, the song? So. Interesting, interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I, I kind of can't imagine it if it was lower. That would be. Weird, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it was. It was funny that um, when when you were talking about the the first version of the song, you're talking about how you love the all the names of all the blackbirds. I'm like, that could be a bridge. That could be a bridge. Yeah, I know. I totally <laughs> right. I know. Right, but but now that I'm listening to this, I kind of feel like this song doesn't doesn't want a bridge. Well, believe me, I kept trying to put it in there because I was like, I want to have that part. Bridge. But no, and it it like it was so funny. I had not done the ooh. I had not had that part. But like by clearing out the waters, I was like, I had suddenly room for this vocal thing. That then, you know, we went into the studio, I worked with um, Kevin Berry and Duke Levine, and Kevin Berry was the one that put the the mandolin on that. I was going to ask, is that a mandolin? Because it's bloody. Mm. Oh, it's, it's, a it's, it, it's like, and he was like, I just wanted to kind of create a musical version of what you were doing vocally that mm. sounded bird-like. And I was like, mm. fabulous. So... That um, thing that you were talking about, uh, those tags, Neil, that was this thing I was talking to you about um you know, when you're sort of uh, connecting between your, I think your verse and your chorus, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. And it doesn't have to be much. Sometimes just a no. ooh, ooh can be no, enough. Yeah, just two or three notes or something. Yeah, that's a good point. What's yeah, so interesting in the song is uh, so often in North American music is our lines go down to resolve. But all your lines go up at the end. Mm. Yes. Which is and so, so cool. Well, and so speaking of prosody, which I'm a huge fan of prosody. And, you know, for me, the I wanted to keep it lifted because I wanted there to be like a flight aspect to it. 
So that was totally intentional. And I'm so psyched that you heard it because I did it on purpose. It was like, I just wanted the whole song to be like lifted and kind of like fluttery. Well, yeah, there there is this kind of ethereal airiness to the whole thing. I think part of it is your upper register. Part of it is the the shapes of the melodies are actually really, really surprising. It kind of, I mean, I'm not a huge Joni Mitchell fan, but it really, really reminded me, it made me feel like it was a Joni Mitchell song, like very, like melodies with really, really unique, interesting shapes. Thank you. Thank right? you. Which, and, 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 and I think, I think that's a great, like, you know, like you're, 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 you're singing gives them wings to fly and, and why right. not? Right. <laughs> it's kind right. of obvious, but. <laughs> the, the line, um, you know, of 420 Blackbirds has got such a great rhythm to it that it just kind of propels the chorus. And I love the, there's a modulation that you do coming out of the chorus. Yeah. Which is so cool. Cause again, it's not, you're not just sort of like doing your verse, you're doing your chorus and then kind of changing. There's like, there's sort of a, the last line, there's a bit of a change there. I'm not sure what you um, do there, but it's really, really nice. And it's, um, it's gentle. There's so much happening in here. This is probably why you don't need a bridge Mm -hmm. because you know, it's not like it's anything is dull. Um, and I, you know, there's a really nice, um, soft rhyme in happy ever after in blackbirds. Right. Love exactly. It's a Love really soft rhyme, but it is a rhyme. Yes. Which I thought is. was so cool. Nice. Thank yeah, you. It is. Um, yeah, it's a great song. Just, uh, I love how, I love how the, the verse two is actually, it's not radically different than verse one, but it's different. Right. A different melody at the end. It really goes to a different place. It's, I mean, for you kids out there, this is how you do a verse two. <laughs> it's clearly related to verse one, but it's got enough of a change. I, I struggle with that. My verse two is always melodically exactly the same as verse one. And then you know. I have a point of discussion. <laughs> yes. Bring out. Please. So, because um, there's something I've played around a lot with my songs because, you know, we're writing songs to. Oh, I don't know why we do write songs. Anyways, we're writing songs and <laughs> we're trying to, you know, uh, have the songs memorable. Mm-hmm. And there's different ways we can do that. And you can do that through repetition. So I was thinking, mm-hmm. so for a while I was doing like verse, verse, you know, chorus. Verse two would be a, a variation. And mm-hmm. then verse three would be a re- repetition of the chorus first. Then I realized, well, that's not really repetition because it hasn't, like someone listening to it the first time, like there's almost too much variation. And I wonder right. where that variation should go. Should it go in like the third or fourth verse or in the second? Because, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, the there is a delight and also um, interest that happens when you change an established pattern. So I think what happens is that sometimes the songwriter hasn't really established the pattern enough before they're off to the races, changing it to something else. And I think that what, what I like in songs is when, you know, as a listener, it's like, this is the form. And you're like, okay, I got the form. I got it. No problem. Right. And then you hear the second verse, or in this case, the third verse, so two verses, and then the middle verse after the first chorus, and you're kind of used to it at that point. And so if you change stuff in the back half of the verse, 
then it can be a really delightful surprise for the listener. And also because it's a change, they're going to really suddenly be like, wait, whoa, what, what's happening? So they're really listening. And so it actually is a great place to put a, a highlighting idea that you want to have. So it's a really good place to like put something that you're like, you're telling us something, you're revealing something there. That's a good place to create a change. I, I feel like for me, like a change should never be random. A change should be because there's something either additional that you want to say, or there's some kind of evolution that's happening in the narrative. Um, so for example, what I like to do a lot of the time is I like to mess with line length. Not necessarily, I don't think I did it in Blackbird's although I have an added line in Blackbirds, but so I'll have like it. And so that third line is suddenly kind of magical because you're like, wait, wait, what's going on? It's different. It's changed. I'm going to really pay attention to what she or he is singing right here because it's different. And so I think like when you alter a verse be aware that it's a really powerful tool to use and make sure to use it to its best ability. Yeah. And it's especially effective. Maybe it's effective and easier in a song like this, where you've given, it's not a lot of space, but there's enough space to play around. Right. 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 Like if it's a very highly structured dance piece or rock song, there's sometimes there's not, Oh, there's not a lot of wiggle room. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, and also like, what's the point? Like you have to think of like, what's the point of a song like that? Right. Mm. So they have different purposes. So my purpose is probably like to have people like listen and be like, Hmm, as opposed to like a dance song, would you be like my, the point of the song is to get up and like move your body. So right. I'm not going to kind of mess with it too much because it really is about like creating like rhythm and movement. Yeah. Yeah. Fair right? yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, what a okay. yeah. This is a definitely a, a a great song. And you now you teach? Do you teach songwriting? I do. I well, I I taught songwriting on at Berkeley for twenty years and oh, wow. taught in the songwriting department. And then the pandemic happened, and I taught remotely for a year and a half. And then when everybody was going back on campus, I was like. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so, time. so I made, no, I made the decision. I'm like, I want to just write music. So I, I quit a year ago this month, mm. 20 years of my life. Wow. I feel crazy. And, but I'm, but I still teach. I still, I teach Berkeley online. So I'm okay. still, I still teach at Berkeley, but I'm just not on campus. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so it's been amazing uh, you know, I I think we counted the other day that I've worked on something like fifteen thousand songs. <laughs> That's a lot of songs, but uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, I think I'm so glad that I was there. It was a it's a wonderful school and it's a wonderful department. The songwriting department is terrific. But I always had one foot in the academic world and one foot in the artist world or in the collaboration and I produce and whatever. And I just really wanted to see like, what is it like when I do that full time? What happens? So I'm kind of in like a new phase of my career and my life. And I'm really excited about it. That is <laughs> so awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's still like, you know, I, I teach privately and I still, you know, I'm still, I do workshops and stuff. So I, I'm not, I'm not out of the teaching game. I'm just, I'm just not having to be on campus three days a week, you know, from 8.30 to 7.30 at night. So it's kind of, it's wonderful to not have to go into Boston and fight the traffic. 
<laughs> there's always yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank John's. There's no traffic out here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you uh, so much, uh, Susan. Awesome. That's all the time awesome we have uh, tonight on Sonntag Radio. Special thanks to Susan Catanio. And where can our listeners find uh, more of your music? Susanmusic.com and on all social platforms. I'm everywhere. Awesome. And we will post links to all that stuff on the show notes on songtalk.ca. And uh, we want to hear from you, our listeners. So please send us your comments on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to at songtalkradio or send us an email, feedback at songtalk.ca. Also be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes now that we're all in these virtual boxes. We've been saying that for a while now that we're all, it's been like two and a half years. (laughs) We've all been in virtual boxes. Subscribe today to the Song Talk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider and don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter at songtalk.ca you can find links to all our products books and web services we mentioned on the show on our resources page on the website and wherever you are in the world Boston included please join us online via zoom at our next monthly song talk meetup it's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend the meetup stop by songtalk.ca for the link uh, you can follow me at neilmodi.com you can follow phil philemory.ca and uh, Susan, what's your what's your favorite social media channel? Uh, Facebook or Instagram. Facebook or Instagram? Yeah, both. Instagram. I like both. Cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And be sure to stop by the website, songtalk.ca, to browse past shows and find out how you can be a guest. Stay safe, everyone, and keep on writing. Good night! Song has a cowbell. <laughs> That's a what a great, friggin' great show. Oh, dude.